Oh, we're waiting. Yeah, for the old 96er. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. I I I went to a comic book convention with you. Yeah. Yeah, and I learned that people don't like it on podcasts when the hosts just banter for a little while. No, they don't. Yeah. And, no, oh. the person like you did a, a thing. Yeah. Oh, the the panel. Yes, it's called. Yeah. Uh, uh, the uh, um, unnecessary debates. That's what it's the, called. The uh, it's called the um er necessary the, debates. The um er unnecessary debates. Yes, unnecessary is that, debates. Is that is that the official title? No, it is not. It's unnecessary debates put on by the Grand Geek Gathering. And who are they? They are a podcast network based out of California that puts on amazing things that are not part of what we do, but by a group of friends that I have down there. And they invited myself and Michael Tanner uh, from Junior Braves to be part of their amazingness with some awesome folks. And what I learned, the only thing I took away from that entire presentation is that people find it really boring when we do what we're doing right now. What, the drinking of the Gatorades? Yeah, and just the <laughs> banter at the start of a podcast. Nobody ah. wants to hear about people's lives or we shouldn't assume that. They, they just want people to just launch into the topic. Launch into the topic and get to it. Just get to it. Just get to the the, the whatever the, the content is that we tell them we're going to talk about. Well, I don't think we ever really tell people what we're going to talk about, to be honest. No. I mean, well, I actually, kinda, we did this time. I did. I, I hit people. off with it. I uh, yeah. I mean, you talk, you you let people know. And I actually like led with it right there. The old 96er. Yeah. Well, you didn't say 96er of what? You just said I, the old 96er. That's right. I didn't. So I liked a hint of mystery. I mean, if you've been listening to Funny Book Forensics, you are aware that we are going to talk about the amazing Spider-Man 96 and our continued series on the drug issue comics. Whoa, drugs, man. Well, and we've already covered the harrowing trials of heroin and Speedy. Yes. See what I did there? I did. That's pretty good for me. That's like a Greg. I just did a Greg. You did a Greg. That was that was actually really good. That was I was that I. I'm amazed. That was like when, when, you know, that was, that was on par with, with Anne's whole, like when we saw a guy shoplift a, uh, a vacuum cleaner from, from Walmart and, and get away from the security. He made a clean getaway. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's, you, I, you did a lot of setup to get there. It, but that was like the literal, like we watched, we watched it all unfold and we're like, what is going on? And then the guy made it through the parking lot and we're like, what What did he just take? And they're like, a vacuum cleaner. Well, and of course, <laughs> in, in lieu of getting a clean getaway, of course, Jim Shooter can't, you know, relinquish any kudos to anybody else but himself. So, of course, we covered Action Comics 378, where he claims he had the first drug issue, but that one was under the code. It was under the code. But in, you know, fine Jim Shooter, you know, of course, prose on his own blog he takes credit for having the first drug issue which he may have had he so might have. that that's it's entirely possible timberwolf was all over those kind of apple things he was eating yeah he was yeah. eating them up he couldn't get enough he had of, to get them he couldn't get enough of the forbidden fruit oh the forbidden fruit dun, dun, dun. and that leaves us with getting back to the real drug issues everybody always talks about, which is Spider-Man 96, 97, and 98. <gasps> Triple feature. And we are going to head off. Uh, usually I cover sources later, but I'm as we talk through this podcast, I'm using some source material from Marin Williams from the comic book 
I always mess this up. The CBLDF, Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. I can do that. You did it. Uh, which is a fantastic organization. And I'm going to cite some information from one of their blogs. I am going to cite some information during this podcast from a New York Times article from February 4th, 1971, that was announcing these fine comic books in the series. I'm also going to use a little bit from Douglas Woke's fantastic book called All of the Marvels, where Douglas Woke claims he read all of the Marvel comics and wrote a book about it. All which, of them? All of them. Stacks and stacks of Marvel comics. Yeah, it's it's actually I've read the first chapter of the book, and as I have time, I I grab a, a few chapters of the book, and it is really fantastic. And of course, we will also be citing some information from the American Comic Book Chronicles, the 1970s, put out by Tomorrow's Publishing, with the lead editor Jason Sachs of this book, because we used that one before. And all of these sources are fantastic for talking about these issues. Yes. So I want to get right into this because uh, this is pretty great. And since we talked last, I am all the way up to issue 40 of The Amazing Spider-Man Are, now. What? Dang, yep. man. You've been just so trucking I'm along. Cruising. Yeah, yeah, I just switched over. So I do want to set this up. We've got some really interesting changes here. And I do want to give a little Spider-Man history. So okay. if you start out reading Spider-Man, you or have never read Spider-Man, I would hope that you'd be aware that Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Mm -hmm. And Stan Lee and Steve Ditko had, how would you describe their relationship? Hmm. Uh, interesting. Bad. Interesting. <laughs> you say bad. I was going to say like two hands pressing against each other. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so when Marvel Comics started and, and Douglas Wolk mentions this, but they they had a bunch of comic veterans, you know, Stan Lee, they had Jack Kirby, they have Steve Ditko and they had a bunch of other folks um, that, you know, became more well known later. But, you know, focusing on the the big three there. Right. And, and focusing on those folks, uh, not even getting into people like Don Heck and you know, uh, obviously other hugely famous creators, right, that were there. Mm -hmm. um, but you have, you know, the main three that started, obviously Kirby and Lee did a lot of the work, but, you know, Ditko co-created their biggest success, which is mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. And Stan Lee and Ditko tried out a few things in Amazing Fantasy. Spider-Man stuck, and so Spider-Man got the book, and they kept moving with Spider-Man, and there you go. And so... You know, the Fantastic Four, as much as I love them, haven't had, you know, like four movie series or whatever. And that's probably a good thing based on the Fantastic Four movies they create. I mean, they've had they've had four movies. <laughs> haven't they had three? Oh, maybe three. Well, OK, they had two and then, and then the hidden movie. Right. And they had one. Was it like in the first ones? Wasn't Captain America the torch? Yes. Chris Evans was the torch. Yeah. And then there was I thought there was I thought there was two of those. And then there was the newest one. one. More. And then there was yeah. the hidden one. There was the corner one. There's oh, four. there's the hidden one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so my there's bad. four. Yeah. That in the hidden uh, Justice League movie. Those two. Yeah. 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 And then well, you got the yeah, you got the original Captain. The is it? A, no, there's a Captain America. The original Captain America movie. That was. Whoa. <laughs> right was that a made for TV? Uh, I think it was it uh, Salinger played Captain America. It was, it was, yeah. It, yeah, it was a thing that we saw as children. <laughs> That's how yeah. I'll describe it. It was a thing we saw as children. And didn't David Hasselhoff play? Uh... I, I, you know more about, you remember more about this movie <laughs> than I do. What I remember is a guy riding around on a motorcycle with a shield. 
Yes, that was Salinger. Okay. And then I, I want to say, uh, um, I can't say I've watched this movie in like 30 years. Oh, I know. (laughs) I thought it was probably more, probably 40 years. (laughs) I thought it was so cool. But anyways, well, I'm sure I thought it was amazing at the time. I mean, I also thought like Spider-Man showing up on the electric company was amazing. So yes, true, true. I mean, at at like six, seven years old, you you think things are pretty cool. It's like, Uh, how did he get there? They're in New York. Of course, he's going to be there. (laughs) Well, what I will say is Spider-Man changes over time so ditko and lee get in a fight ditko leaves and he goes to charlton comics and he helps create a bunch of characters uh including a reinventing the blue beetle which we mentioned on one of our previous podcasts so of course i should probably know the number if i was a good podcast host but i don't have it in front of me at the moment but it was one of our uh, somewhere around like 248 i'm gonna guess uh, yeah. Right back in there. And then we also, so Ditko leaves, he goes to Charlton. Uh, we also reviewed another Ditko comic, which was the Hawk and Dove comic. Mm-hmm. And he goes over to DC and tries his hand at a couple things. And he doesn't ever really, he has a career in art in comics, but he doesn't really recreate the success he had with Spider-Man at any point. No, but it's still Steve Ditko. So he always had a job somewhere doing something. Mm hmm. The other uh, around issue 40 of the comic, uh, Steve Ditko is replaced and Stan Lee seems very happy about it, the way it's broadcast in the comic uh, with a, a a very different art style with John Romita Sr. And you've heard me on this podcast say how much I don't necessarily appreciate John Romita Jr., but they are very different artists. Yes. <laughs> and John Romita Sr. has a more photorealistic style than Ditko. So you're moving from a little bit less cartoony to a more photorealistic style, but it still has that cartoon element to it. Mm -hmm. And for some reason around this time, and I think that it was just uh, these issues to around like 100 when I looked it up, all of a sudden we have a call back to a different artist for this book. Yes. And John Romita senior takes a break and he inks this book and we get Gil Kane on Spider-Man, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, we've got Gil Kane inked by John Romita Sr. It's a it's a definite change. It's I I find it I find it kind of delightful. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you go from Ditko in the original that has more of the squared off faces. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to say it's Kirby esque, but it's Ditko esque. But uh, Kirby Kirby's were more square, but Ditko and Kirby sort of have this style, right? Of the kind of the square characters and square faces, mm-hmm. and then you get Ramita, who's a little bit more cartoony, and then you hire Gil Kane, <laughs> who's known for drawing faces, yes, to draw a character with a round mask with webs on it. Yeah, I know. But everybody else in the book looks so good. But Spider-Man <laughs> just has a big round face. He looks like a like a Spider-Man birthday plate. <laughs> it does. And it's because they hired one of the greatest facial expression artists ever. Like the Green Goblin looks amazing. I know. The Green Goblin looks amazing. Osborne's both of them look amazing. Amazing. And I'm reading the 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 sec I just finished like the 
secondary run of the goblin. So that round issue 40, right, uh-huh. right in there. So go- the goblin comes back with Ramita's first few issues. Yeah. And so Ramita inking the goblin too probably contributed to oh, this, yeah, right? Probably, because definitely. Ramita knows what he wants the goblin to yeah. look like. So yeah, I mean, you've got, but you've got amazing, an amazing facial expression artist and you have him drawing Spider-Man, which is interesting, right? Right. But the art in this book is fantastic outside <laughs> of of paper plate, dinner plate Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It does. It, it looks like the kind of like it, it's like when you go to a birthday party and they give you a, a paper mask to put on. Yes. And, and it's like it's a Spider-Man mask, but it's a paper mask. So there's no form to it. It's just flat. And everybody's taking pictures and you're like, what is going on? With all their faces. <laughs> and I, I will go, I will say that uh, I, in in defense of the art style, right? Mm-hmm. I think the way I read the book, I think Kane was doing that to illustrate that Spider-Man has no facial expressions while he's Spider-Man, right? So the humans that aren't in masks, that aren't playing vigilantes, you see their in-depth facial expressions. But while Peter is in the mask, he's walled off from the world. And it's a lot of what Spider-Man complains about over time, too. Right. Yeah. I put on the mask to be Spider-Man and we're going to see some of that in this story, too. So I I don't want to give away the whole story, but I do. I will defend it a little bit in the sense that I think I get what Gil Kane is going for. But there's sometimes when it just seems very, very awkward. Fair, fair. Okay. Thanks. So good point. Let's get started on this thing. It is a fantastic book. So we've got a cover. We've got on. We've got on the banner. We have, of course, the, the the classic Marvel cover. We've got up to 15 cents, so we're no longer 12 cents because we are into the 70s and inflation, and we don't know anything about that right now, right? Right. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah it's all fine. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> trying to, fine. Trying to buy groceries for my grandma and trying to explain why things cost more. <laughs> I think I sent you like three on fire GIFs today. So yeah, yeah you did. Probably. I must have been at the store. That must have been what happened. You're like, so, oh my goodness. <laughs> Now we're 15 cent cover, um, 96. So we're in February, but it's cover date is May. Um, it actually came out in February of 1971. It says Marvel Comics Group. And on the side, it says a job for Peter Parker. The last fatal trip. Mary Jane knocks them dead. Interesting that she's named Mary Jane in this mm-hmm. issue. Oh, yeah. And she knocks them dead. Oh, hmm. hmm. Is it a reference to the character or to something else? Is there a dun, double dun, meaning dun. here? Dun, dun, dun. And the Green Goblin returns with all his is magic it, gases. Is it the Green Goblin, the character, or something else? I don't know, because he <laughs> does have all those magic gases that do things to you. That's true. He he emits gases that cause all sorts of problems. Ship you out, man. And then Spider-Man's yeah. climbing the wall on the cover, and there's a big light on him. Oh, it man. Says, what you've been waiting for, this one's got it all. And there's a police officer... It's pointing at Spider-Man says, Spider-Man's getting away. And there's a young man on the ground, not looking so well. We got not another officer trying to help that young man out. And in all of that, we're missing something on the cover. Oh, what are we missing? Oh, oh, I'm looking. I, I, is it the, the, is it, is it the, the comics code? There's no comics code. Whoa. Yeah. According to that New York Times article way back in 1971, Marvel pretty much flipped off the comics code and said, we're going to do whatever we want. Oh, how could they? Stan Lee said, quote, we can't keep our heads in the sand. 
I said that if this story would help one kid anywhere in the world not try drugs or lay off drugs one day earlier, then it's worth it rather than waiting for the code authority to give permission. Stanley's official press position. And of course, we know Stanley would say nothing uh, to get his company in a favorable light or, you know, promote it mm-hmm. ever. All press is good press. Of course, all press is good press. And <laughs> you know, again, Stanley would never uh, promote. Uh, and and by the way, if you followed Jack Kirby's career, he I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but he created a character in the New Gods called Funky Flashman. <laughs> that basically looks just like Stan Lee and he's yeah. like a failed promoter of everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and funky flashman actually shows up in the Mr. Miracle stories in the, the late early late eighties, early nineties justice league. Uh, huh. he, he ends up getting Mr. Miracle on a space tour. Oh no. Where he has to leave the earth. Yeah. It's pretty fantastic because he's that bad of a promoter. Oh man. So anyway, funky flashman, but, I, I also love Stan Lee, so, but, you know, he had his issues with Kirby, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, who knows who's <laughs> right or wrong, but in this case, uh, we definitely have a situation where uh, Stan Lee does something. Who knows if he's actually doing it for promotion or to help with the drug war, but... You know, well, it wasn't the drug war yet, right? Not yet. So we're at the beginnings. Yeah. Just and that's beginning. something I talked about two episodes ago, right? That yeah. notion of it's hard to know whether these were the right thing to do or not. Uh, but before we talk too much about that, we probably should get into the story. All right. Let's turn a page. And we get the amazing Spider-Man with the title. And now and the Goblin. Oh, man. And there's Spider-Man is uh, fighting in front of Big Ben, I think. Is it? Oh, crazy. Wild. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, it's funny. I just watched the latest Spider-Man movie. And of course, in the second Tom Holland movie, they were in London. Wow. And now oh, he's yeah? flying back from London. And Spoiler. I haven't read these stories, so I don't know how they interrelate. I haven't watched that movie yet. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you what happened. Okay, good. good Outside of that they were in London in one, and they weren't in the other. Okay. You haven't watched any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies? No, I watched. The, I, so I finally got I finally got my wife to watch the first one. She thought it was pretty good. So trying to get her, I, I've been trying to ease her into these fun movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I have some issues with the Spider-Man movies because he's not I, Iron Man and he doesn't have a exo spider suit. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. So we have Peter Parker here. And can I just say, as we read this story? Yeah. I just want you to think. Okay. In the Civil War story in the comics and in the movies, Spider-Man sides with the government. Now, why? Why? Why would this character do that? Because it's a kid. I it, it, Yeah, that's how they portrayed it in the movies. But in yeah. the comics, all of a sudden, he just like sides with the government. I hated that story so much. In fact, I sold my Civil War issues at your store. Yes, you did. <laughs> you did. And bundled it up for me, made them look pretty, and somebody had a nice Christmas present a couple years ago. That's right. So, uh, but yeah, I. It's interesting because I feel like this character holds true to the classic Spider-Man character that I always that I grew up with, and that is in most Spider-Man stories where he's kind of a loner and he doesn't really know how to work with things, but he definitely doesn't work for institutions. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting as the story plays out. Yeah. So here we have Spider-Man's on a plane or Peter Parker's on a plane, I should say. 
Peter he's definitely Parker's not Spider-Man. Because good news. Yeah. Um, do you notice in the story he doesn't go around unmasking for everybody and showing them who he is That's all right. the time? He's a secret. He's got a secret identity. Yeah. And in the movies, at least in the the first series of movies and the Tobey Maguire ones and then Tom Holland ones, uh-huh. who doesn't know he's Spider-Man? Hmm. Yeah. Is this where we give credit to Andrew Garfield? I, we do. I honestly, I, okay. I like those ones. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I didn't uh, hate them, but again, you got to get me. Remember, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I have not read the Gwen Stacy stories yet. And so remember they're between 40 and now. So I need to I read those to see how much I actually like or dislike the Tom Hall or the, uh, Andrew Garfield ones, right? I because I, I, I'm sure I, I got to read those and then I got to go watch those movies again so I can, you know, be a total nerd fanboy and like get all hey. mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. And curse at the like, movie. Then you'll be like, oh, okay. I get it now. Right. And speaking of degenerate children, they're the children outside your window uh, riding yeah, the motorbikes. motorcycles. Yeah. It's motorcycle time. <laughs> all right. Well, there's only one um, right now. Just wait till the, the pack arrives and there's like three more. And then wait till they get that that ORV out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in, in classic Peter Parker fashion. Yes. Peter Parker is bemoaning the fact. Oh, no, I couldn't be Spider-Man and I couldn't, you know, like do that. And I couldn't do this because Gwen would have noticed and uh, I would have figured it out. And I just don't know if I should be Spider-Man. And I did get some <laughs> photos, though, and I'm going to bring them to. Yeah. Uh, OK, it's, it's basically how we start every Spider-Man story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's either a new villain like rumbling through the woods or something or mm-hmm. there's this, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. So uh, or he's that's like, good. You know, he's trying to he's 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 battling his inner demons and then then, you know, trying to trying to do his Peter Parker only fans. Yeah, pretty much. And that's where <laughs> we're at on the next page, because yeah. now we're we've got he's talking to Ben Riley and Ben Riley's happy. He's got him some photos and. Now he's thinking about Gwen again. I was a fool. I was so busy worrying about Gwen learning my secret. I didn't stop to think about Robbie. Oh, no. Oh, and we don't have context for this because we didn't just read the previous issues. But yeah, we, we, we know he was away. You may know you may have context for it. I don't because I haven't read them yet. Literally. So it's I don't a, know. You don't know. Well, we'll be OK. So he heads yeah. out of his favorite job taking photos for people he hates. Except he does like Ben Riley. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's good. It's got names. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. But we're not going to call him Uncle Ben. No, I don't even want you to joke about that. I wasn't. I was just going to say it's just it's like, you know, it's just that it's a good name. OK, I just wanted to see how tongue tied you got right there. So I, I was just boy, oh boy, Dan, why'd you have to go there? Well, because it's funny, but forensics and we dig deep into comics for their double in inner meeting. And so. Yeah, but not great when you think back on it. There you go. And we'll just leave it at that. I'll just let the listener decide if they agree with me or not. Here, flame I was me on thinking flame, about flame, Riley, flame. the life of Riley, and here he's thinking. living the life of Riley. Yep. But there's that other crazy double meaning there, too, which you can't ignore since that was a prominent commercial character at that time. So moving forward, funky Flashman. <laughs> well, they are out and he's hanging with Harry and Harry's receding hairline and curls. Yes. Not sure why Harry has a receding hairline, but Harry's clothing is getting into the 1970s chic here, is it not? Yeah, it's very nice. He very. looks like he's on the back row of the match game. Oh, definitely. Definitely. With Charles I, Nelson Riley. <laughs> I I need a uh, um, 
a nice yellow turtleneck and an orange <laughs> suit. It's fantastic. You know, I've got an MC event tomorrow night. Maybe I'll wear an orange suit and a turtleneck. You should get one. Yeah, I just don't think any suit like that from a thrift store would fit me. Oh, I'm sure it would. Because people were a bit skinnier back then. Oh, I'm sure you could find one. It It's possible, but I think it would take some thrift store hopping to do that. You could piece it together. <laughs> I bet I could tear the pants, the, the butt out of one really quick. But, well... <laughs> And that polyester would probably just melt onto my skin. But oh, man. There we go. Well, Harry is, you know, he's, I don't know where Harry's at right now. He seems a little off. He's got, he's got some stuff he's working out, but he doesn't know how he's working it out. He doesn't. And he's mad at Peter because he wants Peter to take a job from his dad. Maybe he's tired of Peter bumming off him and living in his apartment. So. Probably. And I don't know what Peter's wearing is he's wearing like. It has fringes, a fringe vest. It's very yeah. it's like his old classic sweater vest, except it has fringes on it. Yeah, it's it's very it's a, like share. Yeah, it, it's almost like Peter should be riding a motorcycle. <laughs> Peter Parker, easy rider, easy rider. There you go. Yeah, mm, they well, look like a very be... like a very strange duo right there. <laughs> Maybe he went, maybe he would have went on like the trip with Green Lantern and Green Arrow across the country. Oh, man. There you go. Yeah, that I could see that different comics. But yeah, I could see. <laughs> I could see. Well, he says he better get into costume for a while. And there we have dinner plate Spider-Man. And <laughs> he is he says he always uh, thinks clearer when I'm web swinging around town. So he does that. And then he starts thinking, and oh, we get a flashback to comics. I just read. I'm yes. All right. Oh, the goblins yeah. got him so yeah. that I can I can recap for you without okay. even reading the page. Dude. So the Green Goblin. Yeah. Finds out who Peter is uh. and then he tracks him down right outside <gasps> his house. And Aunt May just had some sort of surgery. And if Aunt May gets startled at all, she's going to die. Oh, and no. so Peter can't do anything. So the goblin captures him and, you know, he captured him in street clothes. And then he takes him to his secret lair. But then the green goblin tells Peter Parker everything he's going to do to him and everything that's going to happen while Peter Parker gets out of his bonds. And then he defeats the green goblin. But then the green goblin forgets who he is because uh. he, he just thinks he's Harry Osborne. He ends up in the hospital or he thinks he's Norman Osborne again and ends up in the hospital. And supposedly he doesn't know anything about himself. Did I? That's it. Recap. Just read oh, those. Man. Yes. And now I can't wait for the next issue. But we're reading these issues right now. Oh, yeah. To contrast that in my palette, I also just read the DC Comics Zero Hour Omnibus. And let me tell you, it's as bad as you remember it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's bad. Oh, oh God. <laughs> it's all the things that I don't want it's, to it's, live through. It's, again. it's, it's really terrible. <sighs> it's really terrible. I will give credit, though, to Louise Simonson, who wrote some of the better Superman stories during that time. Hers hold up. Okay. But some of the other things. Whew. Yeah. Rough. And that's why people were reading Marvel. So now we're back into uh, Spider-Man and we're back into Fringy Spider-Man or Fringy, Fringy yeah. Parker. Fringy Parker. Fr Fringy Parker. And he's heading over to Osborne's office and he's going to interview in his fringy suit and bell bottom jeans. Oh, yeah, it's 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 all the rage. I mean, that's what I interview in. And then he meets a portly man and Norman Osborne who are talking. Oh, yeah. And they're talking business. And then, of course, Norman meets with Peter, gives him a job and yeah, we're good to go. But yeah. Peter's conflicted because he's wondering about everything and. 
<laughs> Norman wants to meet Mary Jane and Peter doesn't know what's going on. He feels like he's getting twisted into this web of the Osborne family. No pun intended. See what <laughs> I did there? The web <laughs> of the Osborne family. <laughs> and we are continuing to read the Peter Parker soap opera, which is always great. Yeah, it's it's it. The drama unfolds and you just get deeper and deeper inside it. And you just want to know you want these subplots to resolve and they're just sitting there and they're not resolving. And I'm getting a little anxious here. Oh, and hey, here's Aunt May and Anna Watson. (gasps) All right. Fantastic. They're out to go to a show. They're going to see hair. What? (laughs) I guess Aunt May is feeling better because I feel like that one would have shocked her. That I know the excitement just in that show. I mean, that's a, a bit. I guess it's very timely, though, at the time. I mean. It's timely, but even Peter feels like He's maybe like, that's not the whoa. best show for. Yeah. Aunt Aunt May, May. You, you're going to go see hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it he says she looks out ha- for you. Yeah, she looks happier than she's seen her. He's seen her in months and. He's like, that's good. She's looking good, looking healthy out on the town uh, with Mrs. Watson. And but he's missing Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then he hears the police and stuff going on and he goes and changes into Spider-Man as a Spider-Man does. Yeah, because that's what Spider-Man does. swinging around and oh, there's a guy on a roof. Oh, no. And he's got those light balls around him that we saw Neil Adams draw around mm-hmm. people in those Green Lantern, Green Arrow issues. Yeah, we know that doesn't that look means, good. That by the way, did the, yeah. did the page almost look the same, by the way? Kind the of. Art. It's yeah. real similar. It looks very similar. It ha- like, I mean, uh, not in a bad way, just, you know, it, it's very reminiscent. Yep. Well, we got two of the best facial expression artists like drawing these books. So it yeah. sort of makes sense. And of course, paper plate Spider-Man. Gil Kane <laughs> drew Green Lantern until Neil Adams took it over. Yeah. And then, I mean, it, it is crazy. I'm going to say, I mean, outside of the paper, paper plate Spider-Man, all these characters, such in-depth faces like this character on the roof that face like it's very like the detail in it and it's just like the spaced out look and everything like the detail and everything like that and then the the other characters that you're seeing in here i'm like wow a lot of stuff you know i wonder what years were the spider-man cartoon I, the, the original i want to say probably like later 70s I think it was earlier than that. I think it was late 60s because I think they had a filmation contract. Oh, okay. Well, that I wasn't around. I thought um, wasn't around the time of the original Fantastic Four cartoon. Maybe. Well, I'm curious why I'm looking this up in the middle of the podcast, because I'm curious. I'm wondering if the part of the paper plate look was to get Spidey to look like all their marketing material. Oh, that could be. I mean, just thinking about it. So obviously we have the 94 to 98. Yep. I'm aware of that one. But anyway, I'll find the old date. So I'm just okay. curious. So we'll move on. We've got this. I'm ruining the drama because we've got this poor man on the roof. I and know. he thinks he needs some help and he falls off the roof. Oh, my gosh. Well, he jumps off the roof, jumps off the roof. Yeah. And so and I just want to tell you right now, you may be the only person in our one listener that gets this. But, you know, the day we're recording this. And I promised myself I would not make any jokes about Uh the person that got arrested or convicted for the second time today. And I'm not going to do any jokes about believing I could fly right now. Okay. Okay. So there will be no jokes about believing I can fly. 
but I knew we were reading this issue and I'm resisting everything in my being to make tasteless, bad stand-up jokes right now. Okay. Everything. Everything. 1967 is when the Spider-Man cartoon came out. Late 60s. So there I saved you it run. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're trying. All right. Next page. So Spider-Man gets him to the ground. He lands Uh on a police car. He leaves the police or he leaves the young man with Spider-Man. The police actually are helping him and they probably have some of those uh, vending machines that we're getting in Tacoma here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're getting some fantastic vending machines. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, the city of Tacoma is getting some because they must have read this issue. We're getting um, some great new vending machines in Tacoma to to help people. Yeah, yeah, we're getting Narcan vending machines here in Tacoma. Well, so that's good for. I mean, if you see somebody that looks like they're having an issue and they've only got minutes, not even, and it's going to take some some time for a paramedic to get there probably a good can, thing to have around yeah also bad that it's still happening i know but i mean the sad part is, i mean the the sad part is that uh it's gotta gotta i don't know big band-aid i don't know <laughs> yeah it seems like a band-aid over a bullet wound right like it i mean i'm happy we're doing it yeah 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 but i'm unhappy when i'm reading this in 1971 Right. And we have a coordinated effort to try to make things better. And I know what went on between 1971 and now. Uh-huh. And it's it's rough, right? And it's getting worse. <laughs> and it's getting worse because of what people did. Yeah. Though it seems so far as we're reading this issue that the intent here is to try to solve this in a positive way, right? Right. To point out the issue. And in this case, they help the young man and they basically ask if... He, they're going to arrest Spider-Man and <laughs> they say uh, one officer says, I thought he was wanted. And the other one says, maybe so. But I'd turn in my badge before I'd bust him after this. Mm-hmm. So ringing endorsement, right, of this behavior. So right. they're they're not just like illustrating that this happens, but they're driving home the importance of it. And without the police seeing something really, really terrible happen, the police mm-hmm. are acknowledging how bad it is, too. Right. Yeah. By saying you know, you save somebody in this situation, we would never, ever come after you, right? Right. So, okay, we can illustrate it. I think the Green Lantern, Green Arrow comic books got a chance to go a little bit more in-depth, right? Where, you know, people are dying. But, you know, we, yeah. we're not through the story yet either. So right. it, it could end up there. Very true. So we get to the next page. And now Spider-Man goes from saving a man's life who jumped off a building back into Peter Parker Fringe. And he meets up with Mary Jane and Norman and Harry, and they're going to see Mary Jane's play. And I just want to let you know that Mary Jane is not in hair. (laughs) She's not in hair, but she is clearly annoyed with 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 Harry for some reason, because she says, hey, Peter, remember when they used to call you puny Parker? You sure have changed, Petey. Uh huh. I noticed you didn't bring a date. What is going on? I know. <laughs> MJ, aren't you uh, dating Harry? Right. And of course, if you didn't read Spider-Man, uh, MJ and Peter were definitely not together at this point. Nope. But at some point in these next couple of pages, she drops Tiger on him. I was like, whoa. OK, so nicknames came early. Uh-huh. Well, 
we get into a discussion though before that happens and uh one of their friends randy comes up and he happens to be of african-american persuasion and i illustrate that for the argument that's about to happen yeah and he mentions that spider-man saved somebody and he's like this drug scene really bugs me and peter says what do you mean randy he says, everyone figures it's a black man's bag, but it ain't. We're the ones who hate it the most. It hurts us more than anyone else because too many of us got no hope. So we're easier pickings for the pusher. But it ain't just our problem. It's yours, too. And he's not even looking at Norman, but Norman comes in from the side and says, well, don't look at me, son. I know where it's at. And he says, and Randy says, you do, huh? You sit all day in your ivory tower counting your bread. And Norman says, I worked hard for what I got, mister. And Randy says, so what? Do you want a medal? Everyone works hard. Answer me this. How hard are you working for people? What have you done to fight drugs? And Mm -hmm. then Norman goes crazy, right? He's like, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility. And he's like, it's everybody's responsibility and they have to break them up. So there's our moral compass for the issue. If you were looking for one Mm -hmm. and we get the, the fight and the argument there. And they really drove home both, obviously, blatantly drove home uh, both racial issues and the drug issue, right? Right. And we've seen, I think, how at least Stanley wanted to portray uh, certain types of drug use, right? We don't know what the young man was on on the building, uh, but they're illustrating it's a different type of environment for drug use in African-American community in New York at the time than for the white community. Fair? Fair. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm staying true to the story and not the Dan commentary and reading too much into that. So we'll get here. And now we're off into the book and it's time for the curtain to go up and Mary Jane to perform. So she's headed back and everybody goes in and has a seat. Everybody's looking happy. And Peter notes that Harry's watching from backstage, but uh, we've got some we've got some old like 50 year old pervert in the audience yelling that chick is out of sight about Mary Jane and got another woman saying she's the greatest. That guy is really creepy. Yeah. Um, and Mary Jane is in fringe too. So she's, I, I don't know what she's wearing. Uh, that looks like a share costume actually. Yeah. That's a very legitimate costume. Yeah. <laughs> Legit share costume. <clears throat> and now they get done and they're just, uh, they go back and pretty much the play's over. Everyone loves Mary Jane. Yeah, it's it's a it's a Mary Jane show. And well, the show halfway where they go to intermission and something's wrong with Norman. He's oh, he's not looking he's real hot. looking a little unsettled. And I'm not sure. I don't think it's the show that's doing it. And I don't think it was the argument either. But Peter's spidey sense is tingling. And uh oh, that's mm-hmm. bad news. And something has impacted Norman. So Norman goes back to watching, but he's sweating and doesn't seem like he's enjoying the show. And we get to the end. And now Peter's spider sense is tingling again. And this time Spidey decides he's going to, well, Peter decides he's going to follow Norman around. So he's going to go figure out what Norman's doing because he's just not looking good. And he, of course, he's got in the back of his mind. Uh Oh, you know what happened? What if he becomes the green goblin again? This this is bad news. Can't have that. So they head out and Norman can't resist going back in the building. So he's got to go find out what's in that room. It's bugging him. And Peter changes into his Spider-Man costume and starts to go in and you hear Norman saying, it's all coming back to me. I'm starting to remember. And I think this is bad news. Oh, man. Yeah. And he opens the door. He has a key because this used to be his building for. I actually did forget to mention that earlier. This playhouse used to be owned by 
Oh, yeah. Norman. And so here he goes and he's back with the costumes. And uh, there must have been some really interesting costumes there because the phone rings and then the goblin appears through the door on a glider. So there was a glider there and the Green Goblin costume. And he looks not so happy with how the world's going. Did you make it back there? So see, this is what happens when the goblin strikes. I don't know what happened. Greg completely disappeared when the phone rang and the goblin busted through the door. And now I'm very worried about what's going on in Greg's house because this could be an attack of the Green Goblin. (laughs) And who knows? He may never leave alive. (laughs) Is that the noise the Green Goblin makes? (laughs) Okay, I don't see him twirling a mustache, but he did say, Parker, how dare you come here? You'll never leave alive. Well, I can (laughs) promise you it. Yeah, so here we go. And that's the end of issue 96. And we can't wait to find out what happens in the next issue. But right now, we have a drug problem in New York. Oh, man. We have the Green Goblin. And for some reason, Mary Jane really wants to hang out with Peter. But Peter is still longing for Gwen Stacy. (gasps) And next issue, we get to find out the impact of watching hair that watching hair has on Aunt May. Oh, man. We've got a lot going on right now in this issue. There's a lot. You better come back for the next episode of Funny Book Forensics, because guess what? What? You will miss out if you don't find out the end of these plot lines. Oh, my gosh. What will Spider-Man do about drugs? (gasps) Will the Green Goblin make his promise come true? (gasps) Will Harry split up with Mary Jane? (gasps) Will Gwen come back? I don't know. (gasps) We don't know. And yeah, will all the photos from this issue be featured on Spider-Man paper plates? I don't know. Maybe we don't know. But you're going to have to come back to find out because this is 1970s Marvel Comics subplots aplenty drama and more real world issues than we were getting over at DC unless you were reading Green Lantern Green Arrow. That's true. Wild. So what did you think about this one? Oh man, this is a nail biter. It was good. It was like like you said, it's like full of drama, a lot of good, interesting stuff going on. It definitely like sets the table. Yeah, it's I it, think it made me it's classic, making me hungry for more. And it's classic, right? Yeah. So, yeah. well, we're going to do 97 later. But for now, we want you to come back for more. So we're going to finish up this episode of Funny Book Forensics. Do you have any plugs? No, pl- <laughs> none. You're coughing. <laughs> you you do nothing. I heard <laughs> you, <laughs> you write nothing and do nothing. Uh, go check out uh, Junior Brains of the Apocalypse from uh, Oni Press and uh, Starlight over at uh, Overlook Com- Overlook <laughs> Overcast Comics. I can't even talk about my own stuff. Overcast Comics. Yeah. yeah. Here. Here. Sh- here. Hang on. Greg is the author, co-author with <laughs> Michael Tanner of Junior Braves of the Apocalypse. Check it out. You can buy it from Oni Press or on Amazon.com or anywhere you can get good books. If you hit Greg up, you may even be able to buy that one. You can also follow the progress of Starlight and our wonderful main characters as the two young former heroes venture out into space and fight cats and spiders. You can find out more about that in future Kickstarters, or you can go over to Overcast Press and get your own issues now. And you can just come and hang out at the Retro Emporium in downtown historic Kent, Washington. On Meeker. That's right, 328th. And you may even meet the Squatcho Man. 
<gasps> the Squatcho Man. I hear he's going to be somewhere in the future. So follow along for details. Yeah, so you can follow us or you can follow the Retro Emporium on Facebook, Twitter, and maybe even Instagram. Because That's right. I guess things go on Instagram. They do. Nice. But not on TikTok because we're not there yet. No. No. You can also follow Funny Book Forensics on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. But hey, who knows? We might show up there soon. Maybe this episode will even show up there soon. But for now, we're going to sign off as this is one episode and one fine episode of Funny Book Forensics. <laughs> <laughs>